You are listening to the Therefore I Geek podcast, episode 101. Hi everybody, and welcome to Therefore I Geek. I'm Andrew. I'm Duder. And today we are going to be talking about Conan the Barbarian. Special episode. Specifically, we're going to be talking about the uh, mid-80s Dino De Laurentiis Conan the Barbarian starring Arnold. Arnold's first feature film for a major studio in 1982. This is actually a fairly substantial film. I I had not seen it in a very long time until you suggested it, and I was like, oh crap, this is a two-hour film. Yeah, no, I I was a little surprised by that as well. You know, I'll be honest, I mean, just getting into it, I'm a little surprised at how good it was. It is good. I mean, can I, we just agree that this was a pre- this was like the best movie since Citizen Kane? All right, since you agree to that one, if you like what we do, you can check us out on YouTube SoundCloud. <laughs> All right, we're done. We're done. We, no, we, we, we peaked at 100, and now we just fell off the cliff is what happened there. <laughs> no, it's it's really good. Like, a lot better than I remember it being, because I remember it being really bad. Yeah, I, I, if you see it in clip on, on YouTube, or you do it from memory, you're like, oh, this is like a really schlocky, goofy movie that doesn't deserve a second viewing. And it is kind of schlocky and kind of goofy, but it definitely deserves repeat viewing, and and, and to go back to it because it is a fun movie to watch. It's it's, it's not it's not bad. It's fun and I mean in, in a lot of ways it's it's a De La, you know an early eighties De Laurentiis production. Right. So you know in certain regards it's very very cheap and the acting's very very bad. Right. In other regards though, like there are some really nice like outdoor shots. Like the guy in the beginning, the guy's riding in through the mist and like I mean there's just some like actually like wow that's that's actually really not bad cinematography. Well, that's the thing about De Laurentiis films is the production design is usually very good. The directors are usually very good, or at least competent. The soundtrack is very good. So, like, it's the periphery stuff that gives you this feeling of, wow, this is a really quality movie. And then you have moments like Arnold going, snakes? Did you say snakes? And then you go, ha, that's kind of funny. Yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned the soundtrack, because like, I was like, yeah, the soundtrack's really good. The sound recording of, like, people speaking is really awful sounding, though. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't, know, had... I don't know what was up with this, that, but it was just like, why is the music so much better than, like, the people talking? You know, it did have that kind of, like, spaghetti western feel where the whole movie felt overdubbed. I don't think it was, but it definitely had that feel at times. No, uh, yeah, that's exactly how i felt about that one all right well so let's i I, let's just get the big plot let's get the the basic plot points out of the way because this was this is basically conan's origin story essentially you get you see conan as a child him getting raised his parents are massacred in a village by by a village raid he's taken into slavery he spins a wheel i assume to the wheel of pain yeah i don't know if he's like grinding grain or he's just you're just gonna spin this wheel and it's it's in do you remember it's interesting i remember i thinking this watching the movie as you're going through it's like all these kids are brought to the wheel of pain and then they do the like the flash forward montage and then it's just arnold yep and it's like jacked arnold yeah and it's like so did he eat all the kids <laughs> like, right. like what, right. what happened how did he get this mad buff just yeah yeah i was kind of thinking it's like i mean you get arnold really really buff normally you know slave labor doesn't get buff i they, guess they get emaciated do, yeah i guess they're doing like the the jean valjean kind of theory on slave labor is it'll just make you buff yeah something like that it's really that's kind of it's like somebody was like hey we you know victor hugo valjean got buff why can't conan get buff okay we'll go with that one right and then and then the best the next the cool part is like well that doesn't make him a good fighter it just makes him buff and then we spend the next sequence of him like in gladiator right and in i mean in the first one he just like the guy kind of wails on him for a while and then arnold basically buffs him to death yeah 
He's like, look, I'm strong. I'm just buff. I'll just break your arm. Yeah, I'm going to break your arm and smash your face into the pit, into the wall of the pit for a while, and then, then you're done. <laughs> and then he gets good at fighting, and he becomes, like, awesomely, like, cool badass. And then his becomes, master just... Yeah, buff and fighting. Yeah, and then his master's like, just, you're free. Okay. <laughs> and he right. just runs away, and he finds a sword, and then he just does his thing. And it's and he goes on this quest to avenge his parents. It's haphazard quest, really, to avenge right. his parents. And that's basically it. Is he runs across he this let's talk about the witch scene because i thought that was so much fun yeah because because he's wandering around this chick comes out of a hut she's like by herself and she's like my my fire is warm and he goes in there and and they she, she said that and i was just like jesus christ the end you are heavy yeah and it's like <laughs> they, they, they chatted up there and you're like so this is either like you know a hermit prostitute or a witch you are not sure which one and then my favorite part of this whole thing Wait, hang on does it have to be one or the other i probably not it's probably both it's in the in this movie it's probably both and arnold like they talk about the snakes and stuff like that and she's like she basically <laughs> this is what i love about this whole movie is everyone wants to sleep with arnold in this movie yeah arnold gets a major ass like but like dudes are trying to hit on him too yes like that's the best part is she's like oh i'll tell you what you want to know but you gotta bang me first yeah <laughs> it's like to her well, it is to, arnold. to her credit she does tell him though she does she, she gives it up and then and then he throws him into a fire <laughs> which I thought was, was the highlight of the movie. He, like, turns into some sort of demon witch, and he's like, eh, in the fire you go! Yeah. Well, yeah, and then, so, but, you know, Conan goes on this this quest. He, he picks up some, uh, some some followers. He picks up this guy named Sopatai, and what's different from this movie as, like, the from the How, uh, Howard stories is that when Conan picks up friends, they meet untimely ends very fast in the short stories. Right. Like, they just die. Like, you, Conan meets someone, and if it's not a girl that's, like, a warrior or something that, like, he's not going to sleep with at the end of the story, right. they die rather horrifically. But uh, uh, Sobatai, played by Gary Lopez, which apparently was, like, the director John Millis's, like, surfing buddy, and he was like, hey, you can make this movie. You can be in this. Nice. And he does. Yeah. And his buddy... And and then they pick up another buddy uh, named Valeria, who again, you're like, uh, this is, this is Conan's story, so friends don't usually last very long. And they kind of team up and make a thief team and start stealing snake stuff. Friends friends don't let friends adventure with Conan. No, you really, you don't want to do that. <laughs> but but at least in this one, it's okay. And eventually they're kind of roped into rescuing a princess, hardy har har, because that's, it's fantasy stories. Right. You gotta rescue the princess from a snake, no less. Not a Bowser, but a snake dude. Yep. Or snake demigod thing, played by James Earl Jones. Doesn't show up a lot in this movie but with the amount of dialogue in it i think has the most lines yeah i no, i think that's 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 a pretty accurate assessment especially because i will say arnold's accent is not as bad as i remember it being it's still pretty thick though it's still you it's, know early 80s arnold so giving him a lot of dialogues kind of a bad plan correct but it's funny because even though this is early arnold with thick uh arnold accent we very much have the arnold like oh yeah time. yeah like if you want arnold you get a lot of it in yeah. this one and no, it's definitely glorious and apparently james earl jones like tried to help arnold with his delivery i don't know if it helped but i mean tried. i mean i think james earl jones probably should have worked on his own delivery this is not his best performance no it's certainly not they, but with this script because it's a very sparse script you know in part 
of it was written by Roy Thomas, worked on the Conan Marvel series. Oliver Stone worked on it. John Milius worked on it. Like, there's not a lot of meat to this script in terms of, like, what actors are looking for. No, that's Like, true. did you notice, like, a lot of the sentences feel like they start, they stop a sentence, like, one sentence stops in the middle, and then they start a new one without completing their first thought? If you, if you listen to the dialogue, it's almost like, I don't think they completed that thought. I'd have to give it another listen for that one. But it was kind of like the, 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 the dialogue always struck me as a little cagey but it was still i mean it's still passable oh sure james, james Earl jones really only has like one great sequence where he's got conan captured and he explains to him like the difference between flesh and steel yeah kind of like his one role or one moment yeah that was that, was, that, that one that wasn't bad how about james Earl jones's wig that was awesome you know what it reminded me of the the hair that samuel l jackson had in jackie brown where he almost kind of had like the vigo carpathian look going <laughs> nice. that's kind of yeah that wig was that wig was something now it reminds me me of James Dill Jones's hair is longer in this, yes. but it reminds me of like He Man, <laughs> where it's just that like that un unrealistically straight hair that just doesn't. Right, it's like a bowl cut you just let go. Yes, that's exactly except, what it did. Except in the front. Except in the front, right? He just kept the Betty bangs. Yep. <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> it really is like it's Arnold. It's, it's, it's James Dill Jones with Betty bangs, and he turns into a snake. I, you know, actually that effect was was pretty cool, where his face starts stretching. Yeah, which that... I thought was that was thought was kind of like you're watching going you're not you don't quite get the transformation you expect from like american werewolf in in london yeah but it's still it was still kind of cool i mean yeah especially you know watching you know modern movies it's not what i would expect for a transformation but i think they actually did fairly well with what they had well see speaking i'm curious what you think about this because i actually thought the special effects were pretty darn good in this one like for a 1982 i thought because they relied a lot on practical effects and they only like did the kind of rotoscoping animation sparingly they, and they didn't do a lot of heavy matte paintings in the background. I thought the architecture for the buildings and, and the world that they were in was very subdued. I actually really thought, like, the practical effects were pretty good. I think the practical effects were pretty good. There were a couple times where they decided to rotoscope on top of the practical effects mm -hmm. where I think it was unnecessary. Like after he throws the witch into the fire, mm -hmm. like a bunch of stuff in her in her hut starts kind of blowing up. Right, yeah. And they could have yeah, yeah. and they rotoscoped or it was a practical a bunch of practicals and then they rotoscoped on top of that. Right, like her little demon spirit. Yeah, like and that was Calcifer kinda, from your howling's howls moving castle yeah, around. Yeah. That was kind of unnecessary, I thought. I don't yeah, I mean sure, did it look bad? To you it didn't bother me i think it i don't know about looked bad i think it i think it made that look it it, it would have looked better without it i think okay so but so i thought the demons where they were like resurrecting conan or healing him or whatever that was was the like that swirled around valeria yeah Sa uh, what's her name um sandal bergman who apparently was a stunt woman and they were like we can't get anyone to do your stunts because you're a stunt woman so you do your own stunts right so she does all her stunts and that i thought those looked all right no no those look fine so, so you being kind of the, the, the Conan aficionado, I mean, I've, I've read some of it, but you've read considerably more than I have. How, how do you feel this kind of stacks up compared to some of the Howard stuff? I mean, obviously, this is this is an original story for Conan. Yeah, it's, it's very original, but they do borrow some elements. So, like, for instance, the snake cult of Set plays prominently in the Conan stories, and it plays prominently here. And knowing that Roy Thomas started the script, I don't think he finished it, you can see little homages to some Howard stories like the whole sequence where they're scaling the wall is very reminiscent of one of the short stories called the heart of the elephant where he's he's a thief he's scaling a wall that's a number of the Howard stories and the giant snake the snake stuff dealing with the snake stuff felt like a little 
shout out to God in the Bowl, even though it was a little bit different, but it did deal with the giant snake and the Red Circle, which dealt, you know, Conan had to fight a giant snake. So they borrowed little elements from it, but overall, you know, it fits in there. What I don't remember, and I haven't read all of the Conan stories, so in my reading of them, I've never encountered a Conan like origin story, but at least as far as comic books, movies go, or just non-Howard, it's always the same thing. Like, he's a child, his, his tribe is wiped out by raiders, and then he's like either runs away or he's sold into slavery. Like that seems to be the new Conan canon. Yeah. Like everyone from like Dark Horse to like the remake did the same thing. So, but as it far as it, how does it stack up? Stacks up pretty fine. I mean, Arnold absolutely looks the part, but again, because of I guess his accent and his limited acting ability at this point, you know, he's certainly not as talkative as Conan is in the stories. That yeah, that's true. I, at least from what I could, from what I've I've read and, and having now seen the movie again, you know, it it, it kind of follows some of the the Conan aspects in terms of like he's almost constantly changing careers mm-hmm. you know he's a thief you know they, they allude to him you know being a king sometimes he sometimes he's a hero sometimes he's not right you know kind of conan kind of has that ever-changing nature and i mean it, it's kind of it did kind of feel like those kind of other conan stories like it it, it it i think it captured the essence of the howard stories no i think it did because it tells the way the howard told the stories were in like in an interview he said that you know he imagined that conan was telling him adventure from his life so like the stories are never in chronological order it's just these individual stories so this is it fits that perfectly because this is a self-contained conan story for the most part it's like here's his origin and like this is his first big adventure and then like later on he becomes king by his own hand which is interesting because that's the very first conan story howard writes is conan's already king yeah and it's like this is basically his origin story so as far as that goes yeah it stacks up perfectly with what howard uh was writing because i think stone who wrote the bulk of the script knew a lot about history and a lot about Robert E. Howard. It was Milius, the director, who was kind of clueless about it and had to kind of learn on the fly. Yeah. No, I mean, again, it, you know, I, I really enjoyed this like far more than I expected to enjoy it on, on a rewatch. Mm-hmm. No, it's definitely just a lot of fun, especially the ending sequence where he like battles the guys in the like maze of, of stone. And he has that moment where he like he prays. He's like, Krom, I've never prayed to you before but guide me through this battle and then he says something like and if you don't to hell with you <laughs> i just thought that was yeah. like that was so perfect and you know and it, even though it's not i think what we would imagine as like an action movie because there isn't like a big sore fight in this there's like a, it's a very lot of a lot of quick stab thrust and then like explosions of blood uh you, you don't get like kind of like a proper kung fu fight because it's like you know early 80s american action so it's just hack and slash well yeah but i would say that's still really fun i mean that's that's kind of one of the hallmarks of of de laurentis is you know like you said it's got the, the a lot of the makings of, of a higher quality film than it is yeah. and especially in like the fight sequences that's definitely where they cut cut some money yeah I, I believe that. I think they also kind of cut money. You were talking about like the sound. I think this is one of the last movies to be like done in mono. And uh, part of the reason why was they didn't want to fork over the money for a stereo. Nice. So, like they just cut where they can and, and just kind of let's let's put up enough money as we can into this, you know, to make it look passable. The other one, the other place they cut is extras. <laughs> like like they had a lot of them. Yeah, they definitely did. Which is funny because it's that time before, you know, computer generated, you know, CGI stuff. Computer generated extra. Yeah. So it, it, 
you know, there's a couple scenes where you're like, there's got to be five or six hundred people here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the obviously not, not comparing quality wise, but like the, there's the great scene in Lawrence of Arabia when there's like, you know, fifteen hundred Bedouins writing off. Right. They were actually fifteen hundred Bedouins there. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're kind of like referring to the scene where Dulce Doom is like talking to his all his followers and you see all of them gathered in front of that temple, the mountain of power, whatever they call it. Yeah. Before and- he um, I, was, I was actually thinking beforehand where you see them all walking to the the temp yes. the, the, the mountain and i mean there's a ton of them right in front of the camera and then you look off in the distance and i mean that line goes on for quite a ways yeah and and like thinking of lawrence arabia in that sequence even like this lower budget film and and you know again not comparing quality to like john millius to david lean but right. I don't think anything, even in the day and age of CG, when you see a movie and you're like, like you just said, there's 1,500 people there. There's 500 extras really there. It it makes the movie just feel more epic. Yeah. And you definitely get a feeling of like, whoa, they really put some effort into this. Also, like, I this, in the back of my head, epic. I start I start pitying the production interns who have to wrangle all the... Oh, uh, yeah. And having been on a film set, I totally agree with you. Because <laughs> you got like 500 of those people. One of them F's up. Like that's... <laughs> yeah. I do the whole thing again oh man yeah well and like i'm just trying to get them all into costumes and oh that's one of my favorite sequences though is where arnold is trying to like sneak his way in there after like kobatai and uh or sopatai and valeria like are like i'm not gonna rescue this princess and yeah and like the priest is like trying to get arnold all butt naked and everything like that yeah it's one of those moments you're like dude everyone wants to sleep with arnold in this movie and basically i don't blame them because at this point in his life this he, he was like at peak physical conditioning oh yeah oh like, he, yeah he is in his like peak form like actually the story is that he had to like kind of lose a little bit of mass because he was so bulky he couldn't like do the spin moves with the swords that he yeah was his, doing. his biceps were getting in the way yeah so like man, this that's, is man that's a problem doing, i would love to have yeah right that's him at like like peak arnold this yeah. is really him in like peak physical arnold yeah and it, it really is a sight to because they like, definitely give you uh enough eye candy of arnold and and uh valeria and basically just like that's the one thing i gotta love about this movie is just the kind of skin they throw into these kind of, of I mean, early 80s movies. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a lot of De Laurentiis too, though. Yes, definitely. We kind of wish we had more of that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we've talked about the the, the loss of sex and in, 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 yeah. in, in violence in Hollywood. Because this is this movie is in 1982, so it's basically at the very tail end of the exploitation era, if not like post-exploitation era, but still re- retains some of those qualities that just kind of make it fun. That just yeah. a- add that kind of, like, scintillation is you've got the adventure, the the action, the blood packets that <laughs> just kind of burst out of nowhere, and and then the, and then the, like, the skin quality. It's really kind of all, all of that coming together to give you just kind of a, a good old-fashioned entertaining movie. Well, and you know, again, I think that's part of why I think it, it fits so well into Howard, is mm-hmm. you've got just all of those elements and that, that time in film just kind of kind of mesh up really nicely with that that pulp fit the pulpish that's writing a really of, good uh, point. Of I Howard. didn't even think of that. No, that's a, that's a really salient point. I didn't even think of that. Is you're right. Like the 1930s pulp literature lines up pretty well with late 70s, early 80s B movies. Yeah. That's I I, I wonder. I wonder now. Now I want to think about that more and see <laughs> and see if, if like because you're right. Howard absolutely lines up with that. I'm just curious if there's 
any other any other stuff that li- that it lines up with. Yeah, that'd be out. that'd be an interesting uh, investigation on our part. I have to think about that one. Yeah, that's actually a very good point. Any 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 final thoughts on Conan? Well, it made me want to revisit the other Conan movies, uh, yeah. Conan the Destroyer, and then the 2011 Conan the Barbarian that you and I actually sat through back in 2011. Like we went to go see that together with Jason Momoa. God, I don't even remember it. Yeah, we went to go see that. Oh, together. oh, now I do. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, it just hit me. Yeah. It wasn't and, a it wasn't a pleasant hit, but it was a hit. You didn't like it that much? I remember like enjoying it and then it bombing. And I was like, damn. I remember it being it... good. I remember like the end like you and I, or maybe maybe just me, but like walking out and be like, Where the fuck did that ending come from? I will admit that Stephen Lang as a bad guy left a lot to be desired, but like I always came away with like Momoa definitely looked the part, was believable as Conan, and then elements of that movie definitely felt Howard esque and yeah. felt like it matched up with the De Laurentiis style, right? Because it had the same thing of like action, skin, blood and guts, severed limb. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I mean, trying I, to remember. I've, I do I, remember. I've been a fan of. Little. I've been a fan of of uh, Jason Momoa for a long time. So right, it makes me want to like revisit it and some maybe even some of the other like Howard adaptations because there was like a Solomon Kane movie from 2009 that I never saw. There was a cull one with Kevin Serbo. Yep. Which I saw plenty of times on the Sci-Fi Channel because it looked like it belonged on the Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah, it definitely looked like one of those. And I don't, I can't remember uh, Conan the Destroyer very well. And I, I definitely don't know that remember, I've ever seen Conan the Destroyer. I know I've seen the kind of like knockoff Red, the Red Sonia movie with Bridget Nielsen. I have seen that one. Because like when I was a kid, my parents would take me to like my, my grandparents in Bayonne. Like they just rerun the crap, those those crappy De Laurentiis movies or De Laurentiis X movies on like Channel 11 out of New York. So I, I remember, I, I watched, because I don't think I saw the, this Conan until I was... Like just at just after we got out of college, mm-hmm. and then I was like, "All right, let me go, let me go watch, watch Red Sonia." And I remember like, "Oh yeah, that's the chick who's sleeping with Flava Flav." Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, I was like, "Oh yeah, her, her." And, you know, she's from the Rocky movie in Red Sonia. That's about all we know her from. Right, and, and Flava Flav. And Flava Flav. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's basically it. No, I mean, it, that's what it is. But my final thoughts are like, I kind of want to delve into the other ones now, or it and it makes me want to watch some of those like '80s. Yeah, you know, what I'm talking about the '80s, not just not just movie, just '80s. Well, yeah, I mean like Flash Gordon and uh mm-hmm. last starfighter mm-hmm. yeah all those kinds of movies yeah yeah like just just diving back into the 80s because like you know cameron was like the quality 80s i'm talking you, you know what kind of 80s talk yep 80 80s movies <laughs> they're actually showing about, they're actually showing blade runner over here at the narrow soon original blade runner yep kind of pumped about the new blade runner oh i am too well, all, all i can think of he say you blade runner <laughs> yeah I'm edward james almost who doesn't actually really speak right i do think i, I would like at one point because the end of this Conan, they show King Conan, yeah, who becomes king of um whatever it was called, Aquileia or whatever it was called, Aquilonia. 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 And like I know there's been buzz about trying to get Arnold to do King Conan, and I would really like them to do King Conan, like really like I, I want I want that to happen, but my stipulation is that please use the Howard source material because the Howard stuff that he writes about King Conan is considered some of his best work, like the, the Phoenix, the Sword in the Phoenix, I think yeah. it's called, and uh, Red Circle are like fantastic Conan stories where he's king. What's also interesting because Conan as king is very much not what we think of as like Conan the Barbarian. Like Conan, I wouldn't ca- I wouldn't call him like a strictly like super educated king, but he's He's also not, you know, barbarian, stereotypical smash thing, rape, plunt. Like he's a very, right, no, nu- he's, he's a very nuanced king. Yeah, he's he's planning. He's very world weary as King Conan, and that's why I think it, 
would be really interesting. But especially like you have to do those exact two. They're both they're both short enough that you can put them into one movie. But you actually get to see like one because Howard was a guy who was defining a genre kind of like flipped through them. So like you could do supernatural action, horror and and giant battles. Sure. All with just those two stories, yeah. which are just excellent. And that's why I would like, if they do King Conan with Arnold, like, please use some of the original source material, because that's stuff great. Yeah. All right, so what have you been into this week? Uh, other than rearranging my entire apartment, because I'm getting a roommate later. Eh, you know. And that's basically been it. <laughs> nice. That's uh, really been basically it. I've been reading, been trying to finish up my Orwell biography, but that's really about it. And then the Super Bowl happened. Yeah, we got some good, we got some good uh, m- movie spots. Did, and some of those look really good. And I'm excited. I'm excited for Baywatch. I do. Yeah, the end of that one's pretty good. <laughs> I know. What the hell is that? What? Patriotic. It's desecration. Like, he's like, so what is he? I forgot what he says. He says something to the effect of like, um, what are you wearing? He's like, freedom or something for, like yeah. that. Yeah, what are you wearing? Freedom? <laughs> That's a desecration. Although, the, I guess the big news that came out of the Super Bowl trailers, because nothing, nothing was really premiered. You had, you know, your basic, you know, Baywatch, Transformers, Guardians, uh, Guardians uh, Logan, you know, all this guy, John Wick, all that stuff. Well, I guess the big news was the the trailer for Stranger Things 2. Right. Or Season 2. But they're calling it Stranger Things 2. Yeah. With the, the giant spider monster that bigger than a town. Like, that's that's been the big, big story. At least that was the big that was the big find for me. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm just sitting there going, please be good. Just please, please. Because I'll be honest. I thought Stranger Things was almost as perfect as you can make a eight-episode eight series on Netflix. Like, you really can't get much better than that. And I thought it was a perfect bookend. And now that we're going to do Stranger Things 2, I just... Don't fuck I'm it. Just, don't fuck it yeah, up. Yeah, please... Please don't fuck it up. That's really all I'm saying. So uh, let's see what I mean. Uh, I have not watched any more of The Flash. Just hoping to get some more. And I just haven't had a chance to. Um, I have been reading some. Now that I finished with 1984, I have been uh, working on another another project for another panel. Mm. So I've been reading a bunch of old like Marvel cosmic comics, uh, a bunch of old Adam Warlock stuff. While I start diving into uh, some Infinity Infinity Gems stuff. Mm-hmm. That, that I mean that's kind of fun. Like it's it's certainly it's very much of of the 1970s. Yeah. Like there's a point where like Adam Strange shows up on like a, a duplicate earth and, and meets a bunch of kids and like one of them is definitely talking like something out of a 1970s black exploitation film. <laughs> like jive talk? Yeah. Yeah. And it's really funny. Oh that's not great. I mean it's it's awful but it's also really funny. Um, What else? There? I mean there's not a whole lot you know mostly I mean it's not Becky's show wrapped up so that's that's finally how we're going to spend weekends together again. <laughs> uh, actually this weekend we're going to go see Book of Mormon which oh, I am really? very excited is, about. Is it coming to the, the scope? Uh, no, it's actually going to Richmond. Um, oh, okay. So for, as, a, as a birthday present for Becky, her folks got her got us tickets to Book of Mormon. Yes, according to my Facebook and Skype, your birthday also happened recently. It did. Uh, we're recording this on Monday, but yes, my birthday was yesterday. So that's actually why I actually did not watch the Super Bowl. Instead, we went to Outback and there were about eight people in there. <laughs> were they playing the Super Bowl at Outback? They were, actually. Okay. So I got to watch, you know, I got to watch the score get run up to 28 to 3. Right. <laughs> and then we left and I I came home and putzed around on the internet. Actually, I was watching, so Adam Savage from um, Mythbusters has a, a YouTube channel where he does what he called, calls One Day Builds, mm. where he just builds all kinds of random stuff, and he did a mod for a Nerf gun. So, like, he took this, like, long shot, like, quote-unquote sniper rifle Nerf gun yeah, and, like, like took it all apart, repainted it, like, added some, some cool stuff to it, and then there's actually mod kits that, like, put in better springs. Mm. So he, like, souped up this Nerf gun. Oh, wow. It, it's like a 30 minute
minute video, but it was really cool. And he does he give you instructions on like here's how you can build this if you want to, or is he just like here's me building it? I mean, like he walks you through it. Okay. So I mean, like like he doesn't show you exactly like how the mod goes in, mm-hmm. but like basically it's like a spring replacement and a couple other things. So like it that should be fairly self explanatory. Mm-hmm. And like you know he he like he paints it and then he like weathers it like it applies like you know weathering effects and stuff. Right. And like he talks you like through how he does that and that kind of stuff. So it, I mean it's really pretty cool. Oh man, I gotta look into this. This will definitely tip the scales in the office. Nice. Yeah. You guys are you guys have Nerf wars, don't you? Well, it's really kind of like we get shot by one dude who has a, happens to have like a Nerf gun in the office because of a a white elephant during a this past Christmas. Oh, so what you're saying is you're going for an escalation in arms. Yeah, yeah, this is this is an arms war that I have to win now. <laughs> Great. Now and we know we know how arms wars end. <laughs> Quagmires so, in Southeast Asia. I was gonna say surprise attack bombings in, in large harbors, but <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, large you know, take, large naval engagements. Yep. Yeah, take your pick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's all I've got. So Yeah, I think this was a this was good. I think we gotta do this more often is just like pick some of these older movies and come back to them. Yeah, definitely. I've got a I've got a couple of my I've got a couple in mind. Yeah, it's unfortunate Tracy had a, a scheduling conflict, so she wasn't able to join us because I really wanted to hear what she had to say about I think a lot Tracy of this because i feel like tracy would just take it way too seriously it's like, God. i don't i don't think she i really don't think she did i think she was just like this is this is ridiculous and and insane <laughs> yes I, I didn't mention to her this morning, I'm like, hey, how about that James Earl Jones wig? And I got like an, oh my God. <laughs> and then like a, like a, you know, two to three paragraph rant. It was good. Oh God. So you can't rant about that. It's just the wig. You take it and love it. <laughs> All right, folks, if you like what we do, make sure you head on over to thereforegeek.com. Check out our blog posts and our podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. And you can follow this podcast and other podcasts on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Uh-huh. So once again, I'm Andrew. I'm Dude. And you've been listening to Therefore I Geek. Thank you.